Welcome to the watermarkoc.church podcast. Thank you for listening. We are in a series called Out. If you want to uh, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 11 or, you know, pop up your, your cell phones and get on your, your Bible app and uh, follow along with us, this has been a great series for us to rediscover, to envision, and to look at the church. What is the church supposed to look like? What is the church supposed to be? What does it mean to be the church? And the book of Acts is this great historical story of the church, you know, out of this amazing miracle, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These group of people that thought that they were done, their their lives with their rabbi was over with, uh, there was no more future for them, and they went back to their jobs, Peter went back to fishing, and all of a sudden, Christ rises from the dead and meets with them and, 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 and shows them from the scriptures why he came and why he died and why he rose. And suddenly, they understood that he was the Messiah and that all the Old Testament prophecies were pointing to this, this God who would come to be, be with us and give his life for us so that we could have a relationship uh, with the Father and know God is a good Father that loves us and be reconciled to him through faith in the death and resurrection of his Son. And out of that, this amazing movement is born, the church. Day of Pentecost, Jesus, this promise of a gift from heaven, the Holy Spirit, fills his people. And all of a sudden, they are transformed with his power and his love, and they go out and they start this movement. And we are here over 2,000 years later because of that movement. And the church is global, right? It's all over the world. And so the book of Acts really pictures what does it look like to be the church, And we've been looking at this amazing example from Acts chapter 11, a church in Antioch that was a a thriving and flourishing community. The church in Antioch was growing, flourishing in faith, um, out of a a very difficult season of persecution. Uh, The Jews were being persecuted by fellow Jews because they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They were being pushed out of Jerusalem, and they made their way, you know, through the trade routes and the roads to different cities and places. And Antioch was a large commercial city up the coast about 300 miles from Jerusalem. And some of the Christian Jews went there and established themselves. And God began to work in them and through them as they formed a community of faith and shared the love of Jesus with others. And so they continued to follow Jesus on his mission of love. They, they, they went in through this process that we all go through when we follow Jesus. We've, we, we are changed from the inside, and we begin to start looking at life not from an I want perspective. I mean, I can look at life from an I want perspective. I want my coffee. I want a steak. I want, you know, my team to win the college football game. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, right? I want this. I want this. And uh, and our world is really wired to form us into this I want, right? We're conformed to a world that wants to sell this product, so it's like, what do you want? What do you want? We'll give you what you want. So the world formed us into this kind of this self-centered I want, right? And we come to Christ, and in the church, Jesus begins to change our thinking, and it's not so much I want anymore. There's nothing wrong with having wants and needs, but we start saying I will. <laughs> I, will I will follow you, Jesus. I, I, I will look outside of myself. I'll look to the needs and the hurts of others, I, I, will, I will love my neighbor. I will care for my friends. I, I will give. I will serve. And all of a sudden, Jesus takes this heart that is so focused inward and he transforms it and we start to move outward. And that's a process. That's discipleship. 
That's why it's important to be involved in a church and connected in community. That's why we form small groups. That's why we get into God's word. That's why we encourage one another, love one another, serve one another. All of a sudden, God changes us from I want to I will. That's what's happening in Antioch. And as that's happening, man, they are just flourishing in love for their neighbors and friends. And the reason that they're flourishing is because they have the heart of Jesus, right? I mean, what does a church look like? It looks like people that have the heart of Jesus inside of them, right? And, and because they have the heart of Jesus, this heart of loving, sacrificial servanthood, they are focusing outward. Here's the words of the Apostle Paul to the early church, encouraging them to follow in the path of Jesus. This is what a church looks like. A church is a place where the people are formed into the heart of Jesus, right? And so here's Paul saying, church, don't do anything out of selfish ambition. Is that, is that pretty much the, what the world says? Here's what it looks like to be successful in the world, selfish ambition. Just go after what you want, right? But Paul says, no, uh, don't do things out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others, right? Value your neighbors, value your coworkers, value your family. Husbands, value your wives, Wives value your husbands. You know, va- value the people that are in your circles of influence. Value them above yourselves. Not looking out for your own interest, uh, but each of you to the interest of others. I will look out for the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. Have the same thinking. Have the same heart as Jesus did, Right? And your relationships will never have the same mindset of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or used to his own advantage. His position in heaven, his power, the free will use of his power in heaven, uh, all, all of, all of, all of the, the worship of everything around him centered on him, he didn't hold on to that and guard it. As, as if I've got to grasp this and hold on to this. No, no, instead he emptied himself, it says, He didn't use it for his vantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Why is the church, why should the church serve others? Because Jesus is the servant of all, right? God is a servant God. And so Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, right? Taking on skin, the incarnation, God becoming man, right? And dwelling with us. Right, being made like a human in, in, in a human human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, the God man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Here is Jesus' journey to serve us. Right? Not grasping this position in power, but emptying himself, taking on humanity, humbling himself, and thinking about our needs before himself. Dying on a cross, taking on our sins taking on our shame, our brokenness, our guilt on the cross and extending grace, mercy, and forgiveness to us. That's the heart of the church. It's the heart of Jesus. As we allow Jesus to serve us through his grace and mercy, as we allow Jesus to serve us every week we take communion and it's this idea of celebrating how Jesus came to serve us. This is my body and this is my blood. Partake of my grace. Partake of this forgiveness. Remember what I gave to you. And as you remember that, let it change you from an inside, me-centered person to an outside, other-centered, loving person. That's the heart of the church. See, the church is a place that we learn to serve others and love others the way Jesus loved us. 
right? We're, we're connected to him through the power of his spirit. He puts his own heart inside of us, and as we abide and we stay connected to his word, as we surrender to his will, as we follow his way, Jesus starts to use us to serve others and share his grace, mercy, and love. That's, that's the church, a group of people that are moving from I want to I will. Jesus, I will serve, I will follow, I will love, I will give. And Jesus is right at the center of that. Jesus is modeling that. Jesus is envisioning us. Jesus is filling us with his word and his spirit and his power as we submit to him. He's changing us and making us sacrificial servants of love. We are never more like God. We are never more like God than we are sacrificing and serving others. Right? That's the heart of God. Uh, There's an ancient myth, uh, you know, about the pantheon. The, the Greek gods, you know, who the Romans would just adopt other gods when they took over. And so they had this pantheon of many gods. Zeus and Hermes came down to the planet to observe mankind. And they disguised themselves as poor, you know, slaves. And it was like a, a secret mission to watch mankind to see how man was responding to the gods. Were man, was mankind being good? Was mankind honoring the gods? Was mankind being enough the way that they needed to be to honor and serve the gods. And once they were on this mission, they suddenly unveiled themselves. <laughs> they were just disguising themselves. See, we caught you. We got you. Now we know how far you're short. Now, you know. And, and that was the view of the gods. And, and the amazing thing about Jesus is that he didn't come to disguise God. He didn't disguise himself to cover up who God was, right? He didn't put on humanity, I'm going to disguise God and pretend and move around and see what these humans are doing. He came and put on humanity to reveal God. See how different that is? Humanity was not a disguise for Jesus or something to go, oh, you guys are screwing up, so I'm just going to put on this Superman suit and come down and serve you. I'm, gonna, I'm come as mild-mannered Clark Jesus and put on my Superman costume you know, after, after I've served you and show you who I am. He didn't come as Superman. He didn't come as Marvel comic book Jesus. He came as a servant. That's why he put on humanity, because he is a servant, because he's the most humble being on the planet. God is the most humble being on the planet. That's why he loves and serves, because that's who he is. That's the heart of Jesus. That's how Jesus saved the world. You see this t-shirt before? It's pretty cool, huh? It's, it's, got, it's got all the Marvel comic book characters. It's got Superman. It's got Hulk. Probably one of your super... Batman's up there. Spider-Man's upside down. And they're all listening to Jesus. They're on this beam, you know, this beam like in New York City. And they're all circling in a small group with Jesus, all the superheroes. And Jesus says, that's how I saved the world. Did he save the world by becoming Superman? No. He saved the world by becoming the servant of all. Right? So many of us think that we saved the organization. We saved our communities, look at the rhetoric, look at the Facebook rhetoric, look at all the politics, Superman, 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 pointing the finger, I'm Superman, I got the super agenda, here's my super platform, here's my super pack, here's my super deal, here's the super thing, and it's all about humanity, it's all about puffing ourselves up and becoming Superman, Superman at work, I'm super husband, I'm super this, super that, and Jesus says, no, 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 (laughs) no, It's about serving love. (laughs) It's not about Superman. It's about selfless, sacrificial, servant love. 
That's why Jesus came. And if the church is going to be the church, like the church in Antioch, it means that we need to be filled with servant love, sacrificial servant love, looking out for others above ourselves. That's what will change the world. That's what will bring the cultural divide of all these people pointing fingers, whatever side you want to be on, Democrat, Republican, poor, poor, uh, rich, uh, black, white, Anglo, what, whatever you want to cup, Hispanic, point the finger. We have, we're right, you guys are wrong. It's going to take somebody that's going to stand in the middle and say, no, I'm here to serve. Here's my time, here's my talents. I'm not here to argue, I'm not here to say I'm better. I'm here to serve with love. That's what will change a culture. That's what you unite a nation That's what will transform a marriage. That's what will take a wayward team and bring them home with servant sacrificial love. You know, that's what will change a culture. That's what will take poor people and get them off the streets. That's what will help bridge the racial divide that's so there at servant sacrificial love. That's the love of Jesus. And Antioch was powerful. Antioch was a church full of Scythians and barbarians and Jews and Greeks, people of all cultures, people of different social economic statuses, people of different religious backgrounds, and they came together and they were formed around the heart of sacrificial love. That's what made them so powerful. That's why everybody says, I want, I want in that party. <laughs> that party is not about better than judgment, hatred, that party's full of love. That's the Jesus part. I want to follow that party, right? And so it says, now those who've been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, this is what happened in Jerusalem. Stephen was martyred because of his love for Jesus. He was serving people. He was a servant of love, and he was called out, and he proclaimed his faith. He was martyred for that, and the church was scattered. A great persecution started. Saul was at the front of that pack, and a persecution broke out, and the church scattered, and many of them went to Antioch. The persecution broke out when Stephen was killed. People traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word. They continued to spread the word, only among Jews at first, but some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks, also telling them the good news of Jesus about the Lord. The Lord's hand was with them, Right? A hand of servant, sacrificial blessing and love, right? And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Why was the Antioch church a flourishing, powerful community? Because they reflected the love of Jesus. They were full of the heart of Jesus. They reflected the love of Jesus. And they served others with love. And it says that they were scattered, right? They were persecuted. A lot of you guys feel scattered here this morning. You feel persecuted, you feel beaten down by economically, you're struggling in your relationships, maybe there's a health problem, you're dealing with a lot of stuff. Just these guys were dealing with a lot of stuff. They'd lost their jobs, they'd lost friendships, they didn't know what their economic future was like, but the one thing they didn't lose was their connection to the love of Jesus, right? They were hopeful, even through all the challenges, they abided in the a word of God and they were full of the spirit of God and they served others with love. Many times, the scattering has a purpose. Do you know that? Many times, it's through the most difficult seasons in our life that we have a chance to love people and share our story. Many times, it's through our humility and our brokenness that God brings out an opportunity to have a conversation. Many times, that's the reason that God opens a door. And these people understood that. And instead of building walls, right, erecting walls, right, 
It would be easy when you're going through hard times. I'm just going to build a wall. I'm going to build a castle <laughs> around my house. I'm going to build a castle. You know, and I'm, 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 I'm in a lot of troubles and a lot of challenges. I got a lot of pressures financially. I got a lot of stuff to do. So I'm not going to deal with people. I'm not going to deal with people. I'm just going to build a castle and I've got my own TV and this thing here. I can push buttons and everybody will come take care of me. And uh, if I need somebody, I'll call them. They'll deliver stuff. And I'm just going to be inside. I don't care about anybody. It would be easy for them to go out there through the persecution. We're being persecuted. I'm going to build walls. I'm not going to talk to people. I'm, I'm going to be fearful. I'm going to build walls because I'm fearful. I'm going to build walls because I'm, I'm better than these, these people. They're unclean because, you know, I, I'm, I'm a part of the chosen nation. I'm Jewish, you know, and, and I'm a clean person. I, I got my act together. I got the tradition and the rituals, and what do I want to do with these barbarians? <laughs> I don't like the, what they're doing over there. So I'm going to stay over here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build my wall. I'm going to protect. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to focus on in. But they didn't do that. They didn't build walls of judgment and pride. They'll, they built bridges of love. They built bridges of love. They built relationships with people that were outside of their own tradition, outside of their own normal course of life, and they started to love their neighbors and get to know them. Guys, you don't have to go on a mission trip. The world's right here in Orange County. Every tribe, every tongue, every religious background, every uh, perspective is right across the street from you. All you have to do is go down the street and start getting to know your neighbor. Right? They're all there for you. God has brought the nations to our doorstep. The question is, are we going to build walls? Or are we going to build bridges? Jesus has called us because he loves us. And because he came from heaven to build a bridge to us, to be a part of that bridge-building process, to love our neighbors and get to know them and have conversations, to care about our community and the kids, to be involved in schools, uh, to, to get to know the people in our business area, not just for what they can do for us, but their stories and who they are. Jesus has called us to build bridges, not to erect walls. That's the love and the heart of Christ. That should be in the heart of his church. See, living the gospel, when we live the gospel out, that means hope is going to be inside of us. That means joy is going to be bursting out of us. That means we're going to have peace beyond our own bank account, our own, our own house and security things. We're going to be able to let go of that stuff and walk across the street and take somebody to lunch that has nothing to do with maybe our area of business, get to know people, talk to the, person, or the barista that's making coffee and ask them about their day. We're going to be able to be open to what God is doing and we can build Bridges of love to share the love of God. See, it's living the gospel, being connected to that story, letting it free us from fear and guilt and shame. And that allows us to freely love people for no charge. Regardless of what they do, we can freely love them. This is Antioch. This is the opportunity that God has for us right here in Orange County. They reflected his love, and they had the opportunity then to serve the greatest need of all. What is the greatest need of all in Orange County? Is it, is it to eradicate homelessness? We want to do that. We want to help the homeless. We want to feed them. We want to get them jobs. Is, is, it, is, it to, is it housing? Is that the greatest need? Is it jobs? Sure, we want people to have jobs. Is it, is it health care? Oh my gosh, health care is, it, it, yeah, all these things, education, people need all this stuff, and we want a part of helping that. But the greatest need of all is, is man's relationship with God. 
It's, it's the poverty of the soul. And, and Peter writes to the church that he was serving and struggling, and he was a part of that. And he says, you know how you build a bridge? You set a cr-, he says, but in your, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Set apart Christ as Lord. If Christ is Lord, if Christ is Lord of all, he's Lord of me, then, then I'm, I'm a servant. He's, he's got everything taken care of. He's got my future taken care of. He's taking care of my past. He's providing for me. I don't have to worry all about my stuff because Christ is Lord, and now I can be used to serve others. Right? Set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared as you love and serve to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. Why, why, do you, why do you build these houses in Mexico? Why, why do you serve the homeless? Why do, you, why do you guys get up and go to church on the weekend and do this? Why, 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 how, how come, Bucky, you've been married for 36 years? 36 years? Well, how, did, how does that work? Well, it's only because of the hope that I have within me because Jesus Christ has changed me. He's made me a different person. He's given me a different path. He's filled me with love and compassion, and he wants me to serve. And, and so I'm here because I'm, I'm his representative, and I want you to know his love because he loves you so much. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to bring you in the fullness of everything that God has for you. He wants to bring grace and mercy. That's why I serve. You see, we lead with love. We lead with attitude, love. We lead with actions. How can I help you with your needs? But through that conversation, we have a chance to serve the greatest need of all, to share the gospel of Jesus with people, to invite them to know Jesus, to invite them to the community of grace and love. We have this amazing opportunity that God would use us to do that. And all of us, the power of the church is not in our gathering here today, guys. It's in our scattering. It's, it's, it's in the doctor that goes out and is an ambassador for Christ with all the doctors. And he loves doctors and he serves them. And as he does, God opens the door and he shares his faith in a loving way. It's the businessman that goes and is persecuted. It makes, it gets, he gets ripped off. His integrity gets taken down. I've seen him. His integrity gets ripped off. He loses the deal. And yet, with his co-workers, he has peace. He has Christ as Lord and he's okay with that. He has peace. Yes, it's hard. But they see something different in this man who's leading all these people. They see his heart and they ask him why. And he shares Jesus with them. It's the mom. It's the mom who does so many great things for her children and loves and serves her husband and is holding all these things together and has peace inside and joy. And somebody asks her about her life and she has a chance to share her story about Jesus. The power of the church is in you and it's the church scattered with the gospel of Christ. That's the power of the church. Sacrificial love. See, a good servant is present, right? Present to people. Not pushing himself, just present, available. Available. You know, is, is, there, is there availability in your calendar to love people? Are you present? Are you so present with all the stuff that's about you and what you need? You can't be present for people? Are you prepared through prayer to give an answer for the hope that's within you? That's what Jesus wants to build into you as he uses you to serve others in love. That's the Antioch Church. They served others because they reflected the love of Christ. The second thing that they did was they used their gifts to grow others. They, 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 they realized that God had placed them into their church for a purpose. And that they were gifted and they were called to help serve and grow up others in their faith. 
as this church starts to grow, news reaches Jerusalem, the mothership, and they send Barnabas. Barnabas is sent out to Antioch to see what's going on. And it says, this news came to them, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw the grace of God, what it had done, and he was glad and encouraged And he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. The church begins to flourish because Barnabas comes not to be served. He doesn't come as a consumer. Hey, guys, you need to affirm, you know, that the the mothership, everything's right doctrinally. You need to affirm that you're you're making the coffee the right way because are you doing communion right? Is everything ordered here? do I like the organ or do, you know, what are you guys doing here? He didn't come with control and his idea of how to do church. He came with love and the fullness of spirit and he encouraged people in their faith. Why has God placed you in this church? Right? Or he placed you in another church. Because the body of Christ is about being placed by God in a church because God has others to serve you, but you're here to serve them as well. It's a mutual thing. And if Watermark is your church or God's speaking to you about that church, he's placed you here for a purpose that is eternal and beautiful. Uh, Barnabas was placed at Antioch. He spent over a year there, and he said, I will. <laughs> he left his home. He, left his, he said, I'm here. I'm going to serve. I'm here. I will serve. And the church flourished. And Barnabas realized that his gifts of encouragement, he had a spiritual gift of encouragement, he had the gift of generosity, he had the gift of leadership. He was using those gifts to build up the body and grow it. God has given you gifts to be used to build the body of Christ at Watermark. That's why you're here. He was used and he realized that we're better together than alone. Barnabas didn't say, hey, I got all the gifts and I'm here, I'm I'm gonna make... Don't worry, Barnabas is here, Superman. I'm going to take care of it all. Barnabas said, well, God's doing something here. I'm going to bring in somebody else to help. And who does he get? He goes and he gets Saul, who's becoming the apostle Paul, right? And he knows that Saul has this incredible theological background because he was a Pharisee. And God's been working in his life through grace. And now he knows Jesus and this bigger story. And he brings this teaching gift and he empowers it. And the church flourishes and grows. Right? This is, a, this is a team deal. You know, America says individuality is what it's all about. The church says, guess what? We're in a team game here, guys. And when we partner together and serve and love each other, we're connected to a bigger organism, the body of Christ. And it thrives and grows when every part does its part. It's connected to Christ and love flows and the church is built up. And that's what we want to see in the church in Orange County, in the church in the world. That's why you're here. The outcome is spiritual growth. The outcome, the world says, those people, they look like Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if the world says, guess what? I don't, I don't agree with the church. I might not agree with what they're saying, but guess what? Those people look like Jesus. Those people love like Jesus. I don't care. I don't know whether I agree with their theology. I don't know if I like their music. I don't know anything about their buildings. But when I see them out there, they look like Jesus because they're giving their lives away for others. Ah, That's a beautiful thing, right? That's awesome. And so Paul later writes about the church. And he compares it to a body. In Romans. The one that Barnabas encouraged now becomes this great, great empower of the church. And he writes... Just as each one of us has a body with many members, and all members do not have the same function in your body, so 
in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. Do you realize you don't belong to yourself? Do you realize that you belong to Jesus because he paid the price and he died for you and he is Lord and you're his servant and he says, I'm going to place you in this body and you belong to each other because your gifts are vital for this, this body to accomplish the vision that I have for it. Gosh, you guys are really important. You guys are really awesome and God wants to use you to do amazing things. Ben and I and the staff, we're here to help you understand What's my part? What's the role I play? How has God gifted me? And how can I get plugged in here to make a vital, vital input into what God's doing in our church? The best way to do that is to get involved in a small group. Start connecting. Starting getting to know the people. Building relationships. And as you do that, and as you said, here, I'm here to serve. God's going to bring your gifts. He's going to show you. He's going to direct you. He's going to help you find a place where you can make a vital uh, input to what God's doing here because we need you. <laughs> Otherwise, the body's not going to function right. So, gosh, join us on the adventure because when the gifts are functioning, the body flourishes and grows and people see Jesus in the church. And so they served others with their gifts. They reflected the love of Christ. They served others with their gifts. And finally, they gave to encourage others. This was a generous church. This was a giving church, Right? says during the time some prophets came down and said guess what there's a famine coming there's a, this guy named Agua said there's a famine coming it's going to spread throughout the world and these people heard about the famine and what did they do gosh man let's go to the store and let's build a famine safety kit for ourselves right this famine safety kit and I'm going to put all this stuff I'm going to get all the water that I need all the food I need I'm going to build a bomb shelter and I'm getting the Glock and pff, no one's going to take my stuff I'm hunkering down here because the famine's coming what did they do? They said, no, no. There's going to be people starving. There's going to be people hurting. What can I, what has God given me that I might share with others? What has God given me that I might serve others? How can I help people that are going to be struggling and hurting? And they gave generously. It says the disciples, as each one, not forced, not guilted, not shamed, but each one in their heart as they prayed and asked God, the Lord said, here, take this portion and give it to serve the hurting and the poor. And they did that. Oh, it's so awesome. And I just want to commend you. Many of you do that. Many of you see the need. I've seen homeless people have houses and places to live because you guys have seen the need and you said, here, God has given me way too much. I'm going to give it to this homeless person so they can have a place to live. I'm going to give this so somebody can have a coat over their shoulders at Christmas. I'm going to give so a kid could be mentored and encouraged. I'm going to give so we can go to Mexico and build a house for that person that doesn't have a house. See, that's, that's, we're never more like Jesus than when we give ourselves away and we give the things that God has given us and we serve others. That's this church. They generously gave to meet the needs of others. Lives were changed and the gospel moved forward. Ah, What a beautiful picture of a church. But it's not just a picture. It's the power of Jesus inside the heart of his people. And and as we invite the band up here today and, and we spend time to close our service, you know, this, this is actually the most important time of the service. It's not what I've said. It's not the announcements before. It's not the worship before. That's all set the table, guys. It's set the table for you to respond to God. When we say response, I believe that the Holy Spirit is talking to each one of you in your context about your family, about your workplace, 
about your neighborhood and your friends, about the posture of your heart. And God's wanting to encourage you and support you and love you in taking your next steps and becoming like his son and growing in health and doing that. That's what he's doing. And so this is your time to say, what has God said to me today? What is Jesus saying to me about serving others? Maybe, maybe I, I, I need to understand that there's a person in my workplace that, that needs my love. I need to take somebody to lunch. I need to get to know somebody's story. I need to, maybe I don't even know the names of my neighbors. And I need to start meeting and understanding who my neighbors are, right? Maybe God's talking to you about why he sends you to your community each week and the people around you. And maybe that's something to say, God, I want to give you that today. I want to give you my time. Use me out there to reflect your love. Maybe some of you folks need to get connected in the church here because God brought you to Watermark and it's your time to say, hey, I'm all in. I'm not just here to receive and I thank you, I receive because you're here to receive, but I'm here to give too. How can I serve? How can I help? Children's ministry, man, we need people to love our kids over there every week. Uh, the door and the greeters, every week we set the table and new people come to our church and it's the people that are at the door that greet people for the first time, they set the tone for everything that happens. People decide about a church within the first 30 seconds of when they walk into the door. It's not about the sermon. It's about the people that love them and welcome them. You see, we can't do this thing of reaching people for Christ and growing disciples without everybody in the game. And maybe God's saying it's your time to get in the game. Take that connection card and say, I will serve and we'll meet with you and help you get in the game. Maybe it's a generosity thing, right? You know, you know the, the greatest God in Orange County outside of Jesus? It's money. Money is the second best God in Orange County, and so many people worship money and make money the God. And I think about money, and I honor money, and I give money's my altar. Come to the altar of money. And maybe Jesus is saying, that's not the altar for you anymore. It's time for you to start letting go of that bondage and start giving generously, sacrificially, joyfully like Ben said maybe God's calling you to start taking a portion and saying Jesus here it's for you use it for your kingdom use it to build something eternal what is the Holy Spirit saying to you this is not a throwaway time if this is a throwaway time I've wasted my time talking to you this is a time to respond and worship to come to this table and say Jesus here I am thank you for dying for me thank you you gave me everything I want to set you apart as Lord I celebrate you and I give my life to you Go to the, the generosity box and say, Jesus, here's my offering. Use it. Use it. Or fill out a connection card and say, Jesus, get me in the game in your church. This is a response time. It's about the heart. Let's bow our heads and prepare. Lord Jesus, thank you for this message. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're talking to the hearts of these people that you love, Jesus. Jesus, you serve us by setting us free to do the works of God. We celebrate your work on the cross, your body and blood. We are free and forgiven. Fill us more with your spirit and help us to go out with sacrificial love. Speak to us today about the issues in our heart. Help us to be your people. Help us to be the church. When people see us, may they say, there goes a Christian. That person looks like Jesus. That's what we want to be. We want to be more like you, Jesus. And so fill us with your love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. We have four stations. Just come, take the communion, dip it, and celebrate. Thank Jesus. He is the greatest servant of all. He gave everything for you. And then ask him to use you to serve others in love. Let's worship him today. To find out more about us, 
go online to watermarkoc.church. 